comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. now recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and as always this is abe hello out now is a film podcast as abe and i discussing new movies weekly we also bring in the latest discussion about movie trailers box office results and predictions a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week games and other fun stuff the uh, main film of the week is uh, going to be beasts of the southern wild this is an art house release that um is slowly spreading and making its way out to wider and wider audiences and was a big winner at the uh, in sundance and various other film festivals and uh yeah we're going to be talking about that mainly and we're also going to be addressing a lot of the other art house independent films that have come out recently but that's going to be later on in the show the main review is going to be for beasts of the southern wild um joining us to discuss beasts of the southern wild and other movies of note uh, we have writer for fast film reviews and a man who loves to brew all sorts of beverages in his own bathtub mark hoban Hey, everybody. <laughs> How you doing? Moonshiner. <laughs> I'm very good. Yeah. And um, I think we pointed this out on the last week's, uh, well, not really, I guess, I guess in the Savages review, but um, Mark, Abe, and I all saw Savages together last week. We all we all met each other. What? what? Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, for the first time we, yeah. we met the real Mark Hoban. And, <laughs> I do exist. Not this fake guy who I have talked to. <laughs> I'm not just a voice. I actually am a living, breathing person. Yeah, that was... I actually thought that he looked like his avatar, which is like a Simpsons character. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty fun. We all met in San Francisco and got to see Savages. And uh, yeah, that was that was fun to do. That was fun to, to, to be in each other's presence for a change and not just audi- audibly speaking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I need to address the fact that I am incredibly tired, and I just got back from Comic Con, which I was at for the past five days down in San Diego. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can to uh, to, to properly host this podcast as I normally, do, but just be aware <laughs> that I am incredibly exhausted. I was just talking with Alan Aguilera, freak friend of the show, about about Comic Con for a special bonus episode. We're also gonna be having that should be coming out oh, probably either before or after this episode. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty talked out as it is, but I'm gonna make the best of it. So here we go. A few announcements before we get underway. iTunes reviews and ratings. Always happy to get you know more iTunes ratings and reviews on on iTunes. It helps the show out. It's really easy to do. A couple seconds of your time, very beneficial to all of us. It'd be great. Um, emails. Do we have any emails? Ed? We have a lot of emails actually. There there are two of them. One of them from Joe Jans, who uh, who actually sent us this. Very long Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man rant about uh, his thoughts on it, which we probably won't read. Need to go but uh, but thanks for that, Joe. We we Aaron and I both read that, and uh, we both uh, I think that some of the stuff that he touches upon uh, we kind of agree with. There's something. And, his is very rantish, which is fine. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, we we all we are we, like all of us were all over on Spider-Man last week. Like Jordan Grout hated hated Spider-Man, not hated, but he didn't yeah. like it. And Jordan from Jersey really loved Spider-Man. And Abe and I felt yeah. like a, kind of in between that. Mark, uh, what? You like Spider-Man. You didn't love it, though, right? Uh, yeah, I thought it was serviceable. You know, it was a it was a decent film, and I'd probably tell people to go see it. But, uh, I, yeah, I didn't really see the need to... I mean, I essentially feel like it was more of a remake than a reboot. Um, but I did like uh, Emma Stone and uh, Andrew Garfield. I like them better than I like the uh, protagonists in Sam Raimi's version. So 
I did think that that was an improvement. I did I did enjoy their uh, chemistry and and their relationship. Cool. And cool. Uh, yeah, we had another email from Jonathan Kreitz. Kreitz? Yes. Kreitz? I think so. Kreitz. Uh, yeah, and he uh, he posted an article which I have read, but it's a very interesting one on uh, BadassDigest.com that kind of goes over a lot of what wasn't seen in Spider-Man. A lot of kind of we were last week we were very kind of aware we we seemed to be we were making reference to the fact that the untold story wasn't exactly told and it seemed like there's a lot of stuff that wasn't in the final product and this article really goes over kind of those sorts of things so i'm going to put that in the show notes um as well yes and yeah. um i actually i liked your show last week because of the fact that there was such a diversity of uh opinion on it that was good oh thank you uh, it's always thanks. i think a little bit more interesting when there's sort of like some disagreement one thing I want to address now, and it's kind of spoil spoilery for Spider-Man, but I really wanted to mention it on last week's show, and I completely forgot about it. So I'm just going to do it right here. Um, it's made a lot of money, so I assume the people listening to this show probably saw Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> the, the lizard at the very end of the movie, at the climax, he you know has lizard spray to like infect the New York with, as you do, and. So Spider-Man climbs the entire building to get up to it, and Lizard's like he's like putting it, he's putting in the lizard venom or whatever li lizard spray, and not he doesn't just like he doesn't just let it go, he doesn't put it in and just fire it off. He gives Spider-Man two minutes to stop him. Was that hilarious? Like he, he literally sets the countdown for two minutes to deliver this bomb. <laughs> he's got to give him a hero's chance. It's <laughs> like there's no, there's absolutely no reason for him to set a timer for this. It's, he just does it, and that like that was that I found that to be hilarious. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of the way it is in all those old James Bond films? It where is, and it got strapped to a you know a saw and yeah, there's like a timer instead of yeah, yeah. And it got, like, they, they, they could just kill them right there, but they never do. Yeah, and it gets to the point where that's been parodied many times now this is 2012 and there are there are smart people that have seen that have seen these movies that have that have seen these parodies of these movies we've gone past that yeah and apparently it's just full circle because we're right back to here's a two-minute countdown before lizard spray infects new york it's just the drama oh my god so yeah i, I just needed to bring that up and uh yeah, that, it's just funny to me that happens again i did like spider-man quite a bit so, but it's not without its flaws um uh okay so uh Oh, last announcement! I actually met a few Out Now fans at Comic Con, so that was cool. Um, that that was that was nice, and um, it was it's fun it's fun to meet people that you know like the show. So there you go. Um, also, I have no plans for a contest this week, but I have tons of swag, and I don't need all of this. So I'll probably be giving some of this stuff out at some point. Uh, if you if you really want to win a prize, send me a poster tube, and I will send you back a poster in it. That's like an easy because I don't have any room for posters. <laughs> That'd be the easiest way to deliver swag right there. So, but, um, yeah, that, that's it's there, there's some stuff here that will probably I'll probably give out at some point in some way. We'll figure that out. Maybe in our in our commentaries to prove people actually listen to our commentaries. <laughs> um, so let's go. Come in. Yeah. yeah, we do. We we have one coming up very soon, and then we're gonna do. We have a lot of fun doing the commentaries, so they're going to be more coming, whether you like it or not. <laughs> That's where we're at. With it. Um, okay, so let's get to know everybody. We're each week we ask each other some questions to kind of set the tone for the podcast. Better get to know everybody. And um, so yeah, let's just start this all off with Abe. All right. So Mark Hoban, does the casting of non-actors in films give you a, a more real portrayal? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that uh, as as we'll discuss, I think that sometimes. Uh, Casting non-actors actually does give a, a much more like heightened sense of reality and uh, more real realism. I think so. No, I, I I do think, especially with child actors. I think. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, child actors actually are better when they're not rehearsed and not part of the the Hollywood machine, as so to speak. Yeah. So. 
But at the same time, that doesn't like apply to everybody. I mean, you just have to. Some people have it, and some people don't in that regard. I mean, there's not every non-actor is automatically better because it's it it is real. Sometimes it just doesn't feel very real. Yeah, I mean, the motivation for this question was kind of a, I thought of up in the air when they had the uh, the people who had actually been laid off. It kind of gave you that a realer sense of what they were thinking. And then obviously uh, the main review of this week of Beast of the Southern Wild, mm-hmm. um, where they cast a lot of non-actors. Um, and uh, I definitely think that it, it actually does give you a better sense of it, too, um, especially if they have what, you know, that quote-unquote it is. Um, it does give you a, a better sense, and you can kind of just go with it a little bit better. I do, yeah, I agree, I agree with that sentiment, yeah. It's, it's a, I would say it just doesn't always apply. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Aaron, yes. what is your favorite child performance? <clears throat> My favorite child performance? Um I think I have one. I can't think of it right off the top of my head because there's one in mind that I'm like, this is the child I go to when I talk about child performances. <laughs> but um, Ralphie, Christmas Story. That's a good. That's a good one. I do like. Uh, I am. I mean, uh, we're gonna talk about this movie, but I, Quavonjane Wallace. I practice his name so many times. Yeah, oh, I, was, um, I was gonna say like, wow, wow that's really good, man. I, 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 Abe, when I was writing on the Bart station to you, I, I was literally saying it in my head at some points, <laughs> just to like just to keep it fresh in my mind. Quavonjane Wallace, but she's yeah. she's very good in this movie. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Ralphie from Christmas. That's a good one, actually. Um, he, I, 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 uh, I liked. Um, I liked uh, Asa Butterfield in um, in Hugo last year, actually. Um, that's the little boy. That's the little boy in Hugo. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't care Killed for him Ender actually. Actually, too. I, I like the movie, but I, I didn't care for him. Yeah, actually. that's your problem. But, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, if I if I think of the one that there's, I feel like there's one that I cannot. That's like on the tip of my tongue that I can't think of. But if I think, well, of... I'll, I'll name two that I think are really good. But these are a little bit older. But I loved Justin Henry in Kramer vs. Kramer, the little boy. I one. thought he was outstanding. And then uh, Tatum O'Neill. I was going to say Tatum O'Neill from Hammer Moon. Yeah, that's. She's got just this. I mean, she's such like a little adult in that film. And uh, even like um, <clears throat> Elle Fanning last year in, um, in Super Eight was a that was a strong performance there. But uh, yeah, if I if I think... was Elle Fanning in um, she was in, Nowhere. Yeah, she's, uh, somewhere. Yeah, the um, or somewhere. The Sophia sorry. Sophia Copley movie. Yeah. Nowhere is another movie, but uh, somewhere. Uh, I yeah, she's very good as well. Yeah, there's another one that I'm thinking of too, but I'm going to save that for my movie callback. So. Ooh. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, move on. The, or, or it's my question. Um, what is my question? My question is, um, Abe, would, mm-hmm. would you rather live in the bathtub or live where the wild things are? Oof. Uh, well, after a certain while, I guess the wild things try and eat you. But um, I, I don't mind the I don't mind either actually because the community, the sense of community in both of them are actually strong enough that I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think everyone's actually pretty caring in these communities and. Oh, I, I not- that is such a politically correct answer, Ace. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, if I had to choose one, I'd probably go with uh, with uh, where the wild things are, just because it's more of a child-friendly story. Um, all right. So, Aaron. Yeah. If mythical creatures once again roam the earth, what would you hope that they look like? Uh, any, anything designed by Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> anything That's out of good. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God! There is a. There was a pale. There's was a, both there was a pale man figure that was like quite big. That was at Comic Con, and it was like there's only like 300 of them made, but it was like 225 dollars, and I could not like put myself in spending that much money on it. But it was like the coolest thing, and I really, really wanted it. Uh, and it was what? It was like 225 dollars. No, no, but it, what what was the thing? The, pale, the pale man. Statue. Was, yeah, the, the pale dude man. with like the eyes in his the hands. Eyes in his hands and and oh, oh, oh. But what, where, where would you put that? 
I, that was another reason why I didn't go for it. <laughs> that might, it was, it was life that would give me the creeps. At, at work, in, in, my, in my cubicle. Um, oh, okay, at work, yeah. Uh, but getting back, um, child actors, by the way, uh, Spielberg movies in general. Spielberg has an amazing handle on child performances. Oh, yeah. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas and E.T. Yeah. Christian Bale and Emperor of the, Empire of the Sun. Uh, yeah. the, the work from the kids and the in, um, Jaws and Close Encounters. Like, all, kids and Spielberg movies are always really well handled. Right, right. He's got a gift with them. And, uh, oh, Abigail Breslin, A Little Miss Sunshine. That's another one that I Aww. adore. <laughs> that was a good one, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's, okay, moving on. Um, my question. Mark. Yes. Would you eat food served to you by Hush Puppy's father? Wink. Uh, Seemed to have a handle on that barbecue. Yeah. Right. Really did. Uh, yeah, I would. Okay. Because I think he's he's got the best interest, you know, of people at heart. So, yeah, I think I think he would prepare it well. That was my first fear factor question for the show, by the way. <laughs> as long as it was, you know, cooked really well, yeah. I think I would, yeah. Some cage cuisine he's cooking up there. Right. And I, I do like the spices, so <laughs> as long as he's not afraid to use the spice, I, I'd be down for it. Uh, guarantee. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> uh, was that it? Or did Mark have another question? Well, like, I, yeah, um, I have one more. Uh since Beast of the Southern Wild is an independent film, I was just going to put it out. I'll just put it out to both of you. What's your favorite independent film this year? This year? Um, and I'll, I'll include um, foreign films in there as well. Uh, I really enjoyed Kid with, The Kid with a Bike. I like that movie quite a bit. See, I don't... Yeah, Seeking a Friend's not an independent film, so that doesn't count. It's not? Not really. I mean, no. It's a, it's a studio film. I mean, it's just okay. it's just more low-key. Um, even Moonrise Kingdom is still like a studio film as well, so it's hard to like include those ones. See, I, I would count moonrise kingdom i think i think wes anderson's too like mainstream to be to be considered like an independent filmmaker like it's an art it's a it, it falls into like an i think he's well known yeah. i don't know if it's like it's a, i, I mean know. well i mean look at it's look at i mean it's not like he had a shoestring budget and nobody actors like he had a huge cast yeah, yeah. and you know presumably at least a 10 million dollar budget for that movie like it's it's not really an independent movie right um you know okay so for foreign film sleepless night is a really cool act french action film that came out this past year that I'd recommend it. Sleepless Night. Sleepless Night. That's a really cool film, and that I, I really dig that one a you, lot. You guys were a big fan of uh, the Raid, right? Oh, the Raid. Redem- I mean, well, yeah, that's raid, that, yeah. that's just to fall into this like other category at this point of like we just love the Raid. Like, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen. We that, did so. love the yeah. In terms of, you're not going to get a better action movie this year. So there's the Raid. Oh, but Sleepless Night. Very very. Uh, Sleepless Night is it's basically Die Hard in a nightclub. That's the way to describe it. <laughs> it's, right. it's 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 it, it's very it has. It starts out with a very big, <laughs> a dark night tone of anything in terms of how it begins, and then it turns into Die Hard in a nightclub. It's really cool, really well made, really well made, and yeah, it's it's certainly worth checking out if you get a chance. I'm gonna put it in the show notes to the Sleepless Night yeah, trailer. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. I think I've seen that trailer before. It's about this this French guy whose son gets kidnapped. Whose son gets kidnapped and he because needs, and he, okay. he basically spends a very long night in a nightclub trying to figure his shit out. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Abe, did you have any in mind, perhaps? Have you? Have you... Uh, I mean, I haven't really seen too, too many. Um, I still have to see a kid with a bike. Um, but I, I mean, something I don't know. Would you consider Safety Not Guaranteed? Is that? Is that? I put that. Yeah, I put that in there because that, that's okay. a film. That I mean, I saw that recently, and I was like, I really, I really enjoyed that film a lot. I did too. That's a film where I enjoyed it, and I, after writing the review, I wanted to see it again because I feel like I had a lot of fun writing the review and thinking about that movie, even though my review was only like fairly average but now i'm like i should see this movie again <laughs> yeah i mean it, when we get to it uh, later on i mean there's some stuff that we can talk about okay, okay. Um, and mark i imagine you probably haven't answered this but we'll, we'll, we'll probably get to it as we talk about other things later on too so i can address 
other of these types of movies then. Cool? Sure. Okay. So, yeah, that's it for that, I guess. So, yeah, that's how you play uh, Know Everybody. Let's do a little movie trailer talk. We got two trailers to discuss this week, and the first one is um, a new film from director Joe Wright, who uh, previously did uh, Hannah as well. <laughs> and th- that's not the film that this is like. Uh, we had um, <laughs> uh, The uh, Atonement and Pride and Prejudice falls more into the category. Anna Karenina is a new film. Uh, which stars Keira Knightley and Jude Law and Kick-Ass again. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Aaron Johnson. Aaron Johnson and uh, Kelly McDonald. And this is, of course, the the um, based off the famous Leo Tolstoy novel. It's about a Russian high society, 19th, cent- 19th? 19th century. Anna Karenina is like, and she's like an, I guess, aristocrat would be the word to use and kind of has an affair with a, with a count. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I should talk. I should talk more about Anna Karenina off, and just kind of string out the the vague facts that I remember about the story. But um, yeah, this is this is like another big big period. I don't want to say Oscar Beatty, but Oscar Beatty type film that's coming out in the. It's totally Oscar. It is. Really seems that why, way. Do you, yeah. why do you want to resist? That's it? I hate, saying, I I hate saying that term, especially for films that I'm interested in seeing, not just ones that look like being Oscar Beatty and Oscar Beatty. But Anna Karenina is coming out. It's coming out soon. What did you guys think of the trailer, Abe? Uh, it looks very stylish. Incredibly stylish. I think. If you've seen previous Joe Wright films, um, you're going to appreciate the, the kind of visual, as, uh, the visual, uh, I guess, things that he employs. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the uh, the soundtrack and the score will be very in tune with the what's going on on the screen as well. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really can't wait for that either. And again, what we had discussed just two seconds ago, this is totally Oscar bait. That's the, the first thing that I thought about when I That's saw costume this. design. Costume design and probably like uh, art direction. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. But, um, you know, it looks interesting. And um, I stumbled upon a, a previous trailer from 2010 starring uh, Sophie Marceau and uh, Sean Bean. And um, I thought that that's what we were talking about. And I was like, why would Aaron choose a 2010 film? But uh, I, I saw the remake here. But, uh, yeah, it looks interesting. It looks uh, like something that I would go see just to support Joe Wright um, and Kick-Ass. And Jude Law looks like he's losing his hair. I, I don't know if that's, like, makeup or just him losing his hair. No, oh, it looks really good. I mean, I I'm a big fan of Kira Knightley. You didn't even mention her, and she's looks like the star, uh, I, obviously. I think I said her name yeah. first, but no, no, Aaron. But I, when I uh, did. Abe, when oh, you were okay. listing all the, I, I'm half and half. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, so you know, uh, Joe Wright also did Pride and Prejudice, which with which also had uh, Kira Knightley in an Oscar nominated performance. Right, it had a lot of and that had a lot of acclaim, and I I really I enjoyed Pride and Prejudice. And I like when Keira Knightley does period pieces. I also I like The Duchess too, which didn't get as much love, but I, I thought that was a pretty good film as well. And and then Atonement, I also enjoyed a lot. And you know, so I, I think that uh, I I think this looks like it could be a really good film. I mean, it, obviously, when you start labeling it Oscar bait, then the expectations start getting higher. But uh, I think it could be a really good film. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this film mainly because it's just another Joe Wright. Um, film. I'm a fan of Joe Wright yeah, in general. You, I like his directing. You loved Hannah. I like. I, I did. It was on my yeah, top ten of really last year. Loved I loved. I loved Hannah, and I. But I. I. I really enjoyed Atonement as well. I, I like Atonement a lot, and just because I like his directorial style, and I like. I like the way that he incorporates music in his films, and um, so I'm just you know I'm just looking forward to seeing another Joe Wright film. I uh, period dramas don't tend to like get me super excited for them. I I see them because I want to because I like seeing movies, but um. When it with these people involved, it has me much more in the line with wanting to see it. So I'm, I'm there. I, I, I want to get into that. 
And uh, the film's also, um, it's uh, written by Tom Stoppard, or the screenplay's adapted by Tom Stoppard. And he, uh, he did uh, Shakespeare in Love, Empire of the Sun, and a uh, number of other notable films. So, I'm, you know, it, there's... There's a lot of good people involved in this one that makes me kind of anticipating oh, yeah. this for... The cast is excellent. Yeah, the cast is excellent for sure. So, yeah, looking forward to it. What's next? The next trailer we can... Uh, t- oh, and the, uh, by the way, Anna Karenina comes out November 9th, 2012. Um, I'm not sure if that's in limited release and being spread wider then, but, I mean, it looks pretty big in scope, so probably be a wide release. We'll see. <clears throat> the next uh, trailer, which is kind of... It's only kind of a trailer. It's, it's for the movie The Master. Which um, and this this has kind of been around for a while. But the, the Master's the new Paul Thomas Anderson film. It uh, it stars Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams. And it it's been known that this film's kind of revolving around Scientology in a way. It's kind of it's kind of using that as kind of a direct influence on what this story is. Where you have Philip Seymour Hoffman as a very charismatic leader of a a, a somewhat religious based or not, not or faith based organization. So take that as you will in regards to Scientology, but it's set in the fifties, and it, it, I believe like Joaquin Phoenix be kind of comes in, becomes involved in to this realm with Philip Seymour Hoffman as a leader. And what's interesting is that they are there haven't been really trailers for this movie, as there have been there's been two like extended kind of scenes released from it, almost like teasers. Yeah, like teasers of the movie of yeah big teasers is yeah, the best way to describe it and it's intriguing just because i prefer this kind of thing where you get like a taste of what the movie is but there's nothing about a plot or like really delivering on what your what the this movie is going to be it's just kind of you get so you get to see a, a look and you're just intrigued by what you get i guess that and that's where i'm coming away with it and i'm a i'm a big paul thomas anderson fan i like all I, all of his movies i really enjoy especially especially um, boogie nights and punch truck love but that's me uh, I know a lot of people like There Will Be Blood a lot more than I do. I, I, I like that movie quite a bit, but it was... Regardless, The Master, this movie's coming out soon. It's it's pretty anticipated because it's a new PTA movie. Mark, what did you think? Okay, so, I mean, you could just put a blank screen and just say, upcoming movie from Paul Thomas Anderson, and I would be there. So <laughs> there, you don't have to do much. I mean, that's enough for me. Um, but yeah, the, I, I agree with you. The trailer is sort of interesting because it, it doesn't really, I mean, like you've pretty much covered everything I was going to say the, the, I thought it was about Scientology, but the trailer doesn't even seem to have anything to do with that or, or a religion like Scientology. So, um, yeah, I don't, as far as the trailer is concerned, I'm not really sure what to think, but it definitely, it seems intriguing and, uh, it's nice to see, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is acting again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, I'm definitely. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm definitely going to be seeing this. So, babe. Uh, yeah, definitely. When you see like the first teaser trailer, where it's just Joaquin Phoenix, I guess, being interrogated, um, it kind of gives you a very creepy feeling. It's very psychologically thrilling, I guess. Um, Johnny Greenwood's I, score in the background is certainly helpful too. He did. He previously scored the. Uh, or he was involved in the music for uh, There Will Be Blood. He's he's, okay. he's back here again as well. Um, so yeah, and then when you see the second one where Paul or where Philip um, Seymour Hoffman is kind of giving you uh, a lot of um, of his insight about you know what he what he does, who he is, it's very intriguing. You kind of just really want to know really what goes on. So uh, I'm very intrigued for this film. I did like uh, uh, There Will Be Blood probably more than Aaron did. Um, and I, again, I like Paul Thomas Anderson films. I, I even uh, even Magnolia was good. Uh, I thought that there were very strong performances in that. So, and there's always there's always a lot of uh, religious references in his films, um, which I find to be very interesting. For for the record, I do like There Will Be Blood quite a bit. I think I just think 
Daniel Day-Lewis is, like, amazing in that movie, and the movie itself is just really good. That's kind of where I'm mm-hmm. coming at it from. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, okay, so The Master, it comes out this year. I believe it comes out in October, perhaps. I'm not, I think that the release date's been kind of sketchy in terms of when the full release for that movie's going to be. But it's another PTA epic, and, you know, we'll, we'll all be there, <laughs> that's for sure. So, all right, so that's... Uh, that's different for movie trailer talk, I guess. So I guess we can get into our main review for uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. The whole universe depends on everything fitting together just right. Have one piece bust, even the smallest piece. The entire universe will get busted. This here is an aurochs, a fierce creature. The storm's coming! The storm's coming! Y'all better learn how to survive. I'm your daddy, and it's just my job to take care of you, okay? goes quiet behind my eyes. I see everything that made me. Flying around in invisible pieces. I see that I'm a little piece of a big, big universe. in a bad time. I promise that. In a million years, when kids go to school, they're gonna know. Once there was a hush puppy, and she lived with her daddy in the bathtub. Okay, so that should have been some of the trailer for Beasts of the Southern Wild. Uh, this is the, um, this is a film about, um, it's about a, a young girl, a hush puppy, played by Quivangene Wallace, who, um, she, she's a young six-year-old girl who is living in a uh, kind of a, a Delta community area within the within kind of New Orleans, within the um, within like the south of the southern New Orleans area there and uh, in a place called the bathtub, which is kind of it's a whole like society into itself. Like it's like its own separate world, especially in her eyes, where she kind of has an imagination that kind of takes things a little further. And um, essentially the film, I, I want to try to kind of get tread lightly on how to describe the film but the film kind of revolves around hush puppy and her father she lives with her father uh wink played by dwight henry who kind of yeah uh, he, he he kind of he uses like tough love to kind of get her get hush puppy prepared for the for kind of the world and the bathhouse the bathhouse the bathtub <laughs> sorry the bathtub is uh it gets flooded by a, a giant storm that occurs now it's not deliberately made reference to Katrina, but Katrina very much seems like the backdrop for this movie. But regardless, it kind of changes the whole environment around for the bathtub. And it, we kind of follow Hush Puppy on her dealing with this new kind of thing that's happening, all the things that are happening to her father and where things go from there. So with all that said, um, Mark, what did you think of Beasts of the Southern Wild? I loved it. Um, I thought that it was really kind of a very innovative kind of film because 
it doesn't have a very strong narrative. It, it's mostly this kind of almost sort of stream of consciousness kind of uh, meandering. Yeah, a filming yeah. of this little girl, uh, Hush Puppy, and her life uh, in the Delta. And it's a lot of it is even kind of from her perspective of like when she's interacting with the adults and and uh, the things that she encounters. It's sort of often I feel like the the filming was almost as if like a child was holding the camera because it's like moving around. And Mark, let me and, and, let me stop you right there. I can actually I, there was a Q and A following my screening of Beasts of the Wild, and I can confirm that that was the intent of the movie to film it from her perspective. Okay. The, 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 oh, the director confirmed that. Then they, it, it was very because I, I haven't read anything about this film, but. Uh, that was it was very effective, and I think a lot of it too is it is it, some of the movie is a little hard to understand. For one thing, the the dialect is there are I mean I, this would be a great film to rent because I, I would watch it with the subtitles because <laughs> there's a lot of things that I didn't catch. But I think that's kind of part of the point of the film is that you have a child doesn't understand sometimes when they're in a room full of adults and they're talking about stuff they don't really pick up on exactly what they're talking about or why they're acting the way they are they just sort of see it and kind of are you know curious and that's kind of the sense of wonder that i thought this film had and it is very free form there was one critic i didn't make this is not my comparison but uh one critic made the comparison to days of heaven as a sort of like you know very sort of visual film more visual than an actual strong story and i think that's a pretty apt comparison i mean it's a very different kind of film but as far as like what they're portraying but uh i thought that the way that the story plays out is kind of similar to that although i think the film is quite innovative i'd say it's it's definitely um um, one of the most uh like innovative films i've seen this year but anyway i Overall, I really appreciated all those kind of stylistic choices and the way that they told the story very much. Abe? Yeah, I definitely agree that it's a little bit more freeform. It's a little bit more kind of like a slice of life of, of uh, this person's life. There's not really a huge narrative. And I think that's part of the reason. Like, I actually really uh, I enjoyed the film uh, upon reflection of it more than I did when I was sitting in the theater, I think. And I think that's mostly because I wasn't really too sure what to expect. I'd only seen one trailer beforehand. And... Um, and uh, I think that most of the trailer is kind of seen within the first, like, I don't know, minute of the movie. Um, so there's a lot to, to, to see and to, to, that comes unexpected. Um, I definitely think that it's a thought-provoking film about this relationship between the, the father and daughter. Um, and Aaron, you touched upon it earlier, which is like he's, he uses a lot of tough love to show her how to survive, um, especially because it is just the, those two. Um, there's talks about a mother later on, but... Uh, I mean, I think that what's really interesting is is her discussion, and I'm talking about a uh, uh, hush puppy, hush puppy's understanding of the universe and the discussion of the universe early on, and how it kind of gets a little bit out of, uh, I guess, uh, out of shape, and, and it becomes a little bit disarrayed for her when there's that huge storm. So things start to there's like a huge uh, problem in her in her universe now that she has she feels as that maybe she has to go and figure this stuff out, um, and I. Again, it's really this very interesting journey for her because she understands it the way that a child does. So it doesn't really necessarily, um, you know, I guess it, it doesn't have, quote unquote, some of the, the technical things, not technical, but it just is not as, as I guess, uh, I don't want to say logically crafted, but, you know, there, is these, there are these giant um folklore beings that come about later and you know as an adult you probably would never think that that's actually what's 
happening. But for a six-year-old, you know, her envisioning this, you kind of get a sense of um, her, her, you get a per- sense of her perspective about how this giant storm has taken place and what's going on afterward. And it seems like I'm rambling and I, I guess that I sort of am, but it's just more of, it's very interesting the way that you can produce an idea for this movie. Um, I guess what it means and, and what to take away from it. So, I mean, overall, I mean, I thought that the pacing was, was pretty good. It was kind of like very, you know, free form, like what Mark had said, but um, there's a lot to think about and there's a lot to discover once you start to sit down and put your thoughts on paper or I guess just discuss it with some people overall. Uh, yeah, so my thoughts on the film, um, I, I went in, I had no idea what to expect. I, did, I, I, didn't, I haven't seen any trailer for it. I just knew of its reputation as being, you know, an audience award winner for Sundance and, you know, being just performing really, really well at festivals. And yeah, I came away thinking this was like the most visually interesting movie I've seen all year and probably will see for that. I mean, short of other there will be other good looking movies for sure but this was a really interesting looking movie uh, cinematically and i thought that was just fascinating and just just the the kind of the world building they used in this movie was really cool like i just it's something i haven't seen before yet it's like for all intents and purposes it's real i mean they 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 may have built upon some of the sets and things and there's certainly some more imaginative aspects going on in the film but this this kind of society this type of thing exists and it's really neat to see a film kind of portray that and like it does so by having this really effective performance by by the young uh, young actress Kavanjane Walsh like she's really good in this movie like I really thought her performance is just absolutely fantastic and it made it made things work because as Mark and Abe kind of said the story it's not like this. It's not necessarily like the strongest narrative for say, but it like it works for what it's trying to do, and it's very involving, and it's very, it gets to an emotional place at times as well. And like, I was just really into what this film was had to offer, just how it was being presented to me, just because I was so fascinated by the filmmaking aspect of it. And it didn't hurt that, yeah, as I've said, well, Vanjie Wallace is very good in this movie, as well as her father, the actor who plays her father, Dwight Henry. There, it just if it, it just had this great feeling watching this movie. I was just really impressed, and it was just really. It was a very innovative film to me. Like it, it felt like I haven't seen something like this before necessarily, and this is the kind of thing that I want to see in independent cinema and art house cinema. That's just really just not necessarily like out there, but like something that just it feels new to me. Like it's like this thing exists now, and I got to see it, and it was really rewarding to watch. I definitely agree that the performances, I mean, I, I really liked uh, the father's performance as it goes along because you can kind of see his story arc about, he, he kind of seems to be, uh, you know, going through some, some health problems, but he's got very strong performance in this film. I mean, obviously, um, I can't pronounce her name as well as Aaron can, but Miss Wallace, she gives a great performance Ms. for being Wallace. a, she was like five when this was filmed. She's like a six-year-old girl. We're calling her yeah. Miss Wallace. <laughs> Um, but she was like five when this was filmed. Um, oh, was I was, yeah, and um, it was fantastic. I mean, they think we all gonna drown down here, but we ain't going nowhere. The bathtub had more holidays than the whole rest of the world. For her to be able to pull off some of the, especially there's like some uh, emotional cues that she has to pull off, I was floored. Um, and it was just, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is this is really amazing. I, I mean, she does a great job. And then uh, I guess just her tenacity overall in the film was fantastic because um, 
as we've all discussed, there's some freeform here. So she goes on journeys on her own, and uh, one of them involves going to like a beam off in the off in the sea, and um, she just does it. And I was just thinking to myself, this is uh, this is incredible. I mean, she's giving great performance here. I also so. I forgot to mention that the score for this movie is fantastic. I love the soundtrack in this movie, and I play it often. It's just it's really good. Who, 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 like, who did the score? The score was done by by the the writer and director actually Ben Zeitlin. Oh, really? He uh, okay. he collaborated with. Um, oh, I don't have it out right now, but um, he was he, he he was very much involved in like pretty much every aspect of this movie. He helped. He, Dan it was, right. It was yeah. It was, it was adapted from a play, but he um, yeah he was involved in the writing, the editing, the filming, the scoring. Like this is this is certainly his project. So I, you know I I have to give. Uh, Ms. Wallace definitely gave a great performance, and I, but I have to give a lot of the credit for that to the director because I think he, whatever he, I think a great director can can get a great performance from an actor, and I think he, I don't know how, but he filmed her and she would register these emotions on her face as she's looking at things, and I don't know if he did really long takes and then edit it or or how he got that performance from her, but I I suspect that a lot of the the brilliance of her performance is due to his really assured direction. So I, I definitely would give him a lot of credit in, in that regard also. Um, but, uh, you know, I really, another thing too I like about the film, I like how so much of it is kind of unclear. Like there's a part where her father disappears and we don't even really know where he is. Then he shows up and he's wearing a hospital gown. And we're not even we're not even sure like what's going on. I wasn't anyway. I, I didn't know what was going on. And and we're sort of in the dark about everything as she is. And we sort of sort of as the movie plays out, we sort of like piece things together. But um, I, I thought it was really brilliant. I, I like that about the film is that you don't really know. You can't guess what's going to happen next or where the story is going to go right off the bat. I mean, in, in fact, the story is kind of like real life. It just kind of meanders a lot. But I, I like that about it. And definitely their perspective, like what you had talked about earlier, both you and Aaron, um, their perspective, uh, the filming perspective, I should say, is very, I, some people didn't really like that shaky cam, but I really didn't mind it, probably because I was thinking to myself, I mean, it's, it's this really gives me a better sense of, of, uh, of vision uh, from a visual standpoint of these people and these characters. And when she's sitting there looking at, like, her father and his friends and the other people in that area and then like that are drinking and partying or whatever you don't you can't even understand what they're saying i mean it's it's just about a lot of noise and i think maybe to a child that's how that life would be you really don't even really know what they're talking about or why they're acting the way they are and i it's sort of a, a perspective that you don't see in films usually you know people tend to talk then there's then the next person talks they don't usually people don't usually overlap over each other dialogue and then if you do, you should at least understand what they're saying. And I know, I know someone who saw this film that really hated it. And I think part of the reason they hated it is because they couldn't understand it. But I, I think that's part of. I guess I warmed up to that. I liked it. Yeah, I um, I can I can understand where other people would be coming from, and I guess not enjoying this movie just because it 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 um it it's very different and it has a very kind of unique way of presenting things. And I mean, for some people that can be confusing, but other people, I really hope you know, you just really get into the spirit of this movie and what it's what it's presenting, which is something that is, it's kind of, it's a mix of, it's real, Abe. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, I love that phrase. <laughs> it's really, it's really in the thick of things in terms of presenting a community like this, which 
this type of thing exists and like but at the same at the same time there's also kind of this fantastical element involving hush puppy and her state of mind and how she's kind of registering the things that are going on in her mind and what's going on and that she's witnessing and how that how those kind of things collide and it becomes this just kind of really interesting film that has so much to like do in such a show like it's only what it's like 90 minutes long maybe a little it's only like yeah it's only like an hour and a half and it feels like i go on this i feel like i go on a journey watching these characters throughout this film just because it's (laughs) i just found it really interesting throughout and just very well made and in terms of just providing some a unique kind of filmmaking experience i don't want i'm not going to spoil the lines but there's several lines that the little girl uh as she's narrating says and her little observations um, having to do well, you know, with her mother or the uh, the people in the hospital. She she makes some really interesting observations, and like I I mean I really love the script. I mean, a lot of it is indecipherable, but like there are also little like pearls of wisdom in the film that I really thought were some of the, I don't know I just I liked the take it's almost like they put themselves in the mind of a child and really like somehow wrote from her perspective I mean uh, uh, believably yeah and I, I definitely agree that there is um <clears throat> there's like the uh, the some of the writing is is uh, as a child would understand it is fantastical which is just to say like there's a part where Water doesn't have to boil whenever her mother was in a room or something like that, or a fire. Right, right. That's that. well, that's one of the lines. Yeah, just, kind, just kind of the way she interprets things. And right, yeah, and it's, it's yeah, and just the the visual aspect of it, you right. just see, it and you think as an adult, I guess you would think, oh, that that's funny, but realistically, I think if you took yourself back to your six year old self, you'd probably be thinking the same thing. Like your your understanding of metaphors and your understanding of I guess literary devices is not as uh, in tune yet so then you just believe everything for um on a superficial level um but in terms of like the the metaphor for the the fantastical creatures coming out of the ice caps and stuff i i found that to be interesting too i wasn't i'm still not sure quite sure what to make of it um because she references them throughout the film uh, and i'm talking about the the heroine of the film Hush puppy um and so she references it and then also there's like a section where where they have to go to like a, I guess a containment center, and I I wasn't too sure about the the name of the film and also what it meant for them the people from the bathtub versus that containment center. So I wasn't you know I'm still thinking things out. So that again as I say it's it's a very thought provoking film if you were willing to you know go with it like what Aaron said. And again I can see where people don't why people would not like the film because it's not very clear it's not very linear i guess and it's not what you would expect from like i guess a film if you are i guess a casual film goer um but there's a lot to take away from it i think if you're willing to open up for it and yeah i really i hope i mean i hope it does kind of catch on more it's it's certainly it's a it's i mean it's terrific i mean it's won all these audience awards so i mean it certainly seems to be winning crowds in certain circles and i hope that as the film gets expanded wider, you know, it continues to kind of do that. I mean, it, it will only help everybody involved in the project, of course, but it also, you know, it, it, it can, I mean, I think it can bring people to, you know, wanting to see more of these types of movies that are just, you know, these, these smaller movies that are very interesting and just kind of go out under the radar. And like something like Moonrise Kingdom, for example, has been successful at that. Like it's, it's won a lot of audiences over. It's very, and, uh, and it's, it's spread wider and it continues to, you know, make its money. So it's, 
for that. Do you know anything about the woman who wrote the play and what her life experience is? I mean, does she? I don't know anything about her. So, do you know anything like if does she come from an this region or? I just curious, like what what she was drawing on to write about these people. It seemed to be very uh, genuine. Um, from what I understand, what I think I understand, she's not from. No, she's not from the area. But I believe, like she, I think she like she like she like heard she heard about she heard about the area and visited what there and kind of developed a story based on things that she knew about. That's mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I might if I could if I could find some kind of article that goes over that I'll put in the show notes. Actually, but uh, we'll see. Uh, what actually one thing I want to address is the fact that. I mentioned that Katrina is kind of in the background in like the backdrop of this, but it's not it's not really mentioned by name. And what I something I admire about the movie is that it doesn't feel like they're trying to inject anything in the background. Like you could probably interpret you I mean True. you can interpret anything from anything really, but I you could probably you can you could try to interpret certain things involving like social relevancy of what's going on in the bathtub versus the rest of America and its closed off nature. But it's not something that feel that that felt like it was. Um, it was the movie was concerned with telling. I didn't feel like it was concerned with telling any kind of alleg- like allegory or anything. If it if it just felt like this is the place that we're in and these are the characters we're dealing with without having any other things going. Would you would, any, would you guys agree with that at all or disagree? Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't have an axe to grind or something. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not. There's no like I guess ulterior I guess message. Um, I, I do agree with that, which is just to say that it's a story about a father and daughter and their community that they live in and. It doesn't really even touch upon that aspect of the tropical storm much. It definitely gave me a greater appreciation for, like, there's sort of a, a, a part where they go to the containment center. And I, in the, the portrayal of the containment center is not a pleasant one. And, you know, before I saw this film, normally my view of that would be, oh, you know, hooray, they're at the containment center and they're going to be taken care of. But that's not the portrayal here. And I actually got it. Like I sort of you really see it from their perspective. And I I, I don't know, I like I like that kind of like, wow, it really kind of flipped my world a little bit. And I could kind of see their world and how why they would sort of view this containment center as like this is not our this is not our home. We don't want to be here. And it, it definitely gave me a perspective that I didn't have before I saw the film. Anything else about a beast of the other what since we all seem to I think Mark and I really liked it. Abe's still, he's still chewing on it. <laughs> but, uh, he's still chewing on it, but it, it's its a very good film. It's its a shame that Marcus uh, wasn't a part of this podcast, but he, he absolutely hated the film. Yeah, well, I mean, some people have better taste. Than... <laughs> <It's not> <laughs> <awful>. <laughs> but, and by hated, I mean one out of, I think, four stars or one out of five. <sighs> <laughs> No. It would have been nice to hear that opinion, but uh, I, guess, I guess I guess he's just going to have to listen to this podcast and sulk. So um, anyway, uh, I guess we can get into our rating for Beast of the Southern Wild. And, you know, on out now we have a scale that uh, goes, you know, from based on based upon when you should go and see this movie. And so our scale goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, HBO, Netflix, TV, or just kind of forget about it. So on that scale, um, Mark, where would you put uh, Beast of the Southern Wild? Well, I mean, I, I love the film, so... I, I don't know if I would I don't know what if do I give it a rating like IMAX because it's not in IMAX and it's but that's it's what, like, if like it was available but that's she goes yeah that's just to say that you know spend any money amount of money on it just go see it immediately yeah I will say I don't think it's the kind of film that needs to be seen on a like on a huge screen or so it's definitely a, it's a little picture in fact in some ways it it might even uh, benefit in a smaller theater but uh yeah i, I mean i guess imax i mean i, I love the film so i mean it, it's going to be one of my, I, at least at, we're, we're in july right now it's it's definitely 
it's in my top ten for right now, mm-hmm. and I suspect it would probably remain in my top ten. Abe, I, I definitely say theater. Um, you go see this film, and um, you know, write write to us at gmail.com. Right, I'm sorry, write to us at podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything Abe just said, so I'm not even going to repeat it. Um, let's uh, let's uh, get to our movie callback. Callback, callback. This is where we discuss a couple of the films that relate in some way to the main feature of the week. And um, I know I have a few in mind, but uh, Mark, did you have any movies that kind of you remind? Well, I just mentioned this earlier, and this wasn't my call out, but I read somewhere uh, they were comparing it to Days of Heaven. And I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, comparison because that was a very visual movie. Um, The narrative is a little bit uh, more meandering, and I did find that to be the case in this film as well. So just that one. I, uh, I kind of I, I'm pretty sure I tweeted when I first saw the movie, which was like a while ago. So I can't remember the exact thing, but it was like it was like um, a Terrence Malick film by way of Spielberg or something like that. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, so because of that, I did I did think of kind of I thought of E.T. actually just because of the way it's filmed from the child's perspective, which is something that E.T. is too, where you just don't see the adults in that movie until like halfway through an E.T. But in this movie, it's filmed from Hush Puppies' perspective. But um, also, I and I kind of hinted that earlier. Uh, Where the wild things are came to mind as well, mm-hmm. just because in, in terms mm-hmm. of you have the you know a young child, and obviously where the wild things are is much more focused on the fantastical. But um, it's that same sort of I don't know if somber is the right word, but that same sort of tone that it revolves around kind of growing up in a sense, but also and also facing certain aspects of who you are versus who others are. It's, it's yeah, it's yeah. That's that, that's the movie that I was thinking of a lot when I watched it. Piece of Southern Wild Ape. Yeah, I actually thought about uh, Where the Wild Things Are, too, and I also thought about Pan's Labyrinth and Big Fish, and I think primarily because of um, things that these characters in those other films had created in their mind in, in order to cope with what's going on in, I guess, the quote-unquote reality of the of the world. So I thought about that a lot. And, obviously, <laughs> and Avatar, the cartoon series, <laughs> because of the ice caps. <laughs> All right, so... Um... Yeah, okay, that's going to do it for our talk about Beast of the Southern Wild. Let's talk about box ops a little bit. I guess we kind of, did we? No, we didn't even, we didn't even. No, we, we didn't even, we, we all agreed that Ice Age is going to be number one. That was pretty much it, yeah. But we were just like, yeah, we're not even going to yeah, try and yeah. guess that out. Uh, but yeah, so Ice Age was number one, uh, $46 million this weekend. Uh, Spider-Man right behind it with $35 million. Ted right behind that with $22 million. Ted is going to make a lot of money this summer, and I am so wow. glad that it's in my Dark Horse category because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get at least one point for that. It's huge. It is, yeah. it'll, it's, it's doing hangover business. That's the kind of it, business. It confounded everybody's expectations because nobody was predicting it was going to do this much. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I read I like read ahead of time when I was making my predictions, and people – I mean there were people who were saying it would do $30 million. I mean, so I mean like actual websites that like, you know, get – like actual readers. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that why Seth MacFarlane has like a monopoly on Fox Sunday nights. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, Brave, Magic Mike, Savages, all making money. Still, Brave is like almost at 200. Magic Mike's almost at 100. Another huge success for the summer, given the, the size of that movie versus the, uh, you know, its domestic total. Savages, doing all right, I guess, for an R-rated, you know, film at this time of summer. And uh, Moonrise Kingdom, noticeably in the top ten as well, by the way. It's uh, closing in on being Wes Anderson's highest-grossing film if it keeps up its pace, so that'd be something. It's at 32 right now. I think Royal Tannenbaum's has, like, the highest something I don't care to look up right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, uh, main thing, Ice Age was number one. And I did see I did see Ice Age, by the way, somehow in my very, very busy week. I managed to see Ice Age and um, for those that like the Ice Age movies, it's fine, I guess. Like, it's 
it's colorful and kind of funny. And I would say that the scope is actually impressive. There's there's scenes involving like the ice basically splitting apart and giant waves and things, and I'm like, this is really kind of neat actually in an animation sense. Something I I don't want to go too far in Ice Age, but something I really like about the first Ice Age film is how it basically deals with three characters. It de- it deals a lot with you know death. It, like it really does. It does. Yeah. It's a very it's a fairly dark pic- like not dark, but it has a very somber it has somber again. It has a somber tone to it, and it, it's something about it has like this theme about outcasts and joining up together and everything. And that's something the sequels lost. Like the first sequel, I hated that movie because it just wasn't the same movie as the first one was. It just became a kind of generic family friendly movie, and that's what the other sequels have become too. But with that said, the th- this fourth one, I mean, it's fine for the audience it's going for. It does lose kind of the edge that the first Ice Age film had. But, I mean, if you like it, more power to you. Scrat's funny. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's enough box office talk. Let's uh, move on to uh, the other kind of main portion of the film. We're going to talk about some of the other, you know, independent and art house films that have come out in recent times. And uh, this is going to be more freeform, I guess. I don't really have much of a structure, and I'm too tired to build one. So let's just have a uh, let's just start out. Mark, do you have you want to start off like a some film in mind that you want to talk about? Yeah, I just saw um, Headhunters, which is a uh, Norwegian film. Um, it actually came out last year in Norway, but it's now being released in the U.S. This is Roger Brown, corporate headhunter, addicted to luxury, buried in debt and hiding a secret life. And this is the man Chase Caillou with a deadly past and a priceless secret. I really love this film. It was, uh, it really, it reminds me of films like Pulp Fiction or Fargo. It has this like adult kind of violence to it, but that there's a story with these twists and turns in it. And honestly, I went into this film not, I not really knowing anything about it. Uh, and and I later found out that you had already seen it. I didn't even, I, I don't even, I didn't even know anyone I knew had seen it. And uh, I guess usually that's sort of the, perfect setup for a movie that really like amazes me because I didn't expect anything and it turned out to be really good um and it's it's probably one of the best films I've seen this year um so I would definitely highly recommend that I I don't it's barely done any business so I and I think it was released a couple months ago so it like literally it's it's really been lingering around in theaters that's what I it it just came it just came to the theater near near where I uh, where I am so it's it took a long time to get here but um yeah, it's, yeah it's, I'm glad I saw it's it. It's been on the theaters by me for like a while now. Yeah, I did see the film early. I saw it at the Newport Beach Film Festival, which... Um, yeah, apparently it was actually released at the end of April. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was... I had no idea. Yeah, and but I... anyway, it's a really good film. I, I'm glad that you really enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I didn't I didn't yeah, love it. I, uh, I, I... You're saying Pulp Fiction and Fargo. I felt it just felt kind of in the same league as something like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as far as it has a fairly kind of like a a fairly thriller thriller B kind of story that's kind of amplified by you know the, some of the filmmaking involved and kind of how things play out. I, I I enjoyed kind of where it goes because it has a it has a it I mean it's a, it's basically it's a thriller about this guy who he's like a he's like he's a thief and he 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 thieves because he needs money because his other business isn't paying as much as he wants in order to, for him to lead the lifestyle that he wants to and he becomes targeted by a, a mercenary for what for various reasons and he it becomes kind of like a, a chase thriller and you i 
it's neat by by not knowing where it's going to go and the way it kind of sets up certain things and pays them off. And I found that to be interesting. I don't know. I just it didn't it didn't hit me as a movie that I like really enjoy, but I, I, I did like enjoy it enough where I would recommend it. That's, that's kind of where I came out with Headhunters. There is a um a scene in an outhouse that makes anything that Danny Boyle had ever done in <laughs> Train Spotting or what was the other one? Slumdog uh, Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, because he seems to like to do movies that have something to do where the disgustingness of a bathroom and <laughs> there is a scene in this film that is just I mean I don't know if it's worse than Train Spotting, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's worse than Slumdog Millionaire, that's for sure. And, and but there's lots of scenes like that. That's one. Then there's an auto accident. Yeah, yeah, so there's some really I, brutal sequences in this. Movie. I'm sure, I was certain that the car is going to veer off to the side or do something, you know. And I won't go into it, but it 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 really makes good on what it promises it's going to do. And then it takes it even to a further conclusion when you like. I mean, I just I was blown away. Like every scene was taken to like another level that I didn't expect. And I like I like the guy. I don't I can't tell you what his name is, but the he's a Norwegian actor. He I I you know again, I didn't read anything about this film and my my take on him was he looked like Steve Buscemi but kind of like a blonde version of it. Yes, then I go on the internet so. and I realize that like 50,000 critics have made the same comparison. So I guess but I legitimately felt like he kind of looked like Steve Buscemi. And then um He's kind of got this insecurity about him. I like that. I liked the, he's, it's just, I just like the characters and, and the way, and he had this dual life. He's got this life where he's a, like an actual recruiter where he's operating within the law, but then he's also an art thief, which is outside the law. And then those two worlds collide. I like the way they collided. And yeah, it just, it becomes this game of cat and mouse. And I mean, I was, I was on the edge of my seat through the whole thing. All right. Well, that's Headhunters. That's maybe in theaters now by you in like art house release and uh probably come out soon it's been out for a while so we'll see um Abe, you want to talk about safety not guaranteed yeah absolutely uh, safety not guaranteed um i actually saw that recently it's writers does anybody have an idea for a story how about uh this time travel ad guy writes a classified that reads wanted someone to go back in time with me this is not a joke. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. Safety not guaranteed. I've only done this once before. I want to find this guy. You know, see if maybe he believes in this stuff. I don't know. I think it could be funny. You want to do it? Can I get a couple of interns? Help me with I'll the research. It. Me, do, please. Me. All right, give me the lesbian and the Indian, and I got a story. What'd you get? Got his name, where he works. What makes you think he won't slam the door in my face, too? Probably none of the other people were beautiful girls. Easier, I know. Do you sell guns here? Something sexy and affordable with killing power? Is there a pest problem? Well, if your ad had been written properly, I may have a better idea of what I need. I hope you worked harder on your calibrations. My calibrations are flipping pinpoint, okay? Mm. You ever face certain death? If it was so certain, I wouldn't be here, would I? About a, it's a real ad that has been around, uh, I don't know when it was written, but... This film takes a, um, a fictional pickup of where these Seattle writers for a magazine go and investigate the person who put the ad out. And the ad is actually um, been put in place by Mark Duplis, and his character is, uh, I forget the character's name right now, uh, Kenneth. So um, it stars uh, Aubrey Plaza, you might remember from Parks and Recreation. and um, Jake Johnson. Uh, yeah, Jake Johnson, and also this uh, Indian guy named Kieran Sony. Um, and it's very, I, I liked it a lot. I actually laughed a lot during this film. It's very, um, it's very whimsical, I would say. And it really presents a, uh, 
a nice actually outfit that you can get along with. And then uh, what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about um, uh, this film in the intros was that I think that they could have taken this film into a darker place at a certain point in this movie, and I'm glad that they didn't. And I think that's just to say that it kind of keeps the lightness of the film overall. And um, there's actually a lot of story arcs in here that I found to be very nice, actually. That I found them even from Jake Johnson, um, who agrees to go on this trip because of personal reasons. And so I found it to be a very nice film. It's something that uh, a lot of people, a lot of people should go see. I think that they'd really enjoy this film just because of how simple it is. Um, of the maybe the, the the love and romantic elements in it, and also just elements of I guess quantum theory to some degree. Now here's a question. Now first off, Mark, have you seen this movie? No, I haven't. Okay, I'd recommend it. Uh, Abe is recommending it too. I think we yes, we, we both recommend strongly it. recommend it. Yeah. Actually. Um, so the film, yeah, the film has Aubrey Plaza as like kind of the, the lead in here, and she's goes along. On, she's like an intern for a magazine, and Jake Johnson's like like her boss essentially and they all go out to the country like a country town to find mark duplis's character who has the ad in the paper that says he needs someone to go time travel with him aubrey plaza gets with mark duplis's character and they kind of form a friendship slash relationship kind of thing going on and that's fine that's what i found to be the most interesting aspect of the film actually and my question for you abe is did so you did you find jake jake johnson's his subplot like did you find that effective for the film uh i found it i think it was just really interesting just the way that it played out um because it kind of, I think there's just more to his character than you would initially think, and I think that's actually a positive thing to the film. Because um, it kind of goes along with the rest of the film too. It doesn't necessarily make him the, the jerk of the series, um, and so what happens to him ultimately uh, helps out another character as well. And then you kind of see that he's actually a kind of a, an okay guy later. Yeah, Did you know it went well. I don't know if it. I don't want to say it didn't went well. I just felt like it distracted me from something I found to be more interesting, which was the key relationship between Mark Duplass and Aubrey Plaza. I like Both. Jake Johnson. I like his performance in this movie, and I like I like things about what happens in his kind of plot in the movie. But I feel like <laughs> I just wasn't I wasn't into it as much as I was into the rest of the film, and I want to see more of that stuff. Um, yeah. Now, when I was writing about the film for my review, I was kind of coming up. I I, I feel like I was as I was racking my brain talking about the movie. I was thinking about why this plot was in the story and it started to work for me more so that's why i kind of want to see the movie again and feel like yeah. and see if i if i like it more the second time around so I'll, yeah. I'll be... you know thinking about it right now i guess you could if you wanted to think about it even more in depth i guess you could think about it as it kind of is um like a corollary storyline to Aubrey Paul's and mark duplass um, yeah. just to say you know just say that licks aren't everything like the more that you get to know somebody i guess you'll you understand them and then you can um, be romantically involved, I guess. That's one side of it, and there's another thing I can talk to you about at some point. Other, yeah. that's a little more spoilery, I guess, or not necessarily. But I, I just don't need to go too far in depth on it in a movie that Mark hasn't seen and that our <laughs> the listeners may or may not have seen. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, safety not guaranteed. We certainly both recommend the film. It's another movie that's you know it's small but worth of worth your time, worth like the absolutely worth yeah. people going out going to check out because I like the people the people involved are you know they're all quite talented. And I hope to. They do more stuff. I like Aubrey Plaza too. I like her on Parks and Rec, and it was nice. Just, yeah, yeah. Like this is like essentially a you know her movie right here. This is like a lead performance from her, and she turns in a pretty solid one where it's not necessarily completely different from someone she plays on Parks, but it has more kind of layers of things going on since it's focusing ex- you know not necessarily exclusively, but more so than in Parks and Recreation on her. So yeah, I would actually absolutely agree with that. Which is it's not so much like a variation of a April uh, of April in Parks and Rec. 
but um, there's more to it, you know. All right, I'll bring up a movie now. Let's see, what do I what do I want to talk about? Let's. Mark, have you seen uh, To Run With Love yet, the Woody Allen movie? No, I haven't. Okay, and Abe, you haven't either. Correct. I didn't see that. Okay, yet. I'm gonna bring it up anyway. This is yeah, To Run With Love is the new, the the latest Woody Allen movie. I'm from Roma. My job is to stand up here, and I see all people in Roma. All is a story. They gave us such a great room. You know, you married a very bright guy. I got a, I got 150, 160 IQ. You're figuring it in euros. In dollars, it's much less. Congratulazioni. E c'è tutto pagato. Sono tutta tua. Tutta per te. Ma guardi che ci deve essere un errore. Io sono qui per soddisfare i tuoi sogni. I lived in Rome for a year when I was uh, your age. Ah. This might have been my exact street. Come on in, my girlfriend makes great espresso. My friend just broke up with her boyfriend. I told her she could stay with us. She's smart and funny. Men just adore her. I think it's because of the sexual vibe that she gives off. The, the latest Woody Allen movie, which has the whole ridiculous number of cast members, including Alec Baldwin, Woody Allen himself, Judy Davis, Jesse Eisenberg, Ellen Page, Greta Gerwig, Alison Pill, um, a number of Italian actors whose names I can't think right off the top of my head for obvious reasons. Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz. Yeah, right. Penelope Cruz. And um, yeah, this is this movie is obviously his follow-up to Midnight in Paris. And unfortunately, I didn't really like this movie. I didn't really like To Roll With Love. I didn't hate it, for sure. But it's especially hard to come off to, to like uh, kind of right, think about this movie after having Midnight in Paris come out, which is one of, one of my, it's just in my like favorite Allen movies in, in one of them. It's just, it's like one of those last year. Just, yeah. Yeah. And that just, so that having that just come out last year and then this movie, it's, it feels like such a, a step down, but it's like, I can't expect the man to constantly create, you know, movies that top him. So it's not exactly like it's again, I didn't hate this movie. I mean, the problem, the problem I had with it is that the movie is divided into like four segments that all take place in Rome. And um, there's like there's like four main storylines going on. And it feels like it feels like they're all too long. Like, it feels like I get the point of each of them, but they all go on for an, Roberto Magnini is another person. This movie I forgot to mention. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, they all seem to like go on like a couple steps too far and I didn't really need it. So it could have either been tightened up or you just could have dropped one of these storylines in general. And, you know, the, the film would have worked better for me. I feel like some of the performances are good and some of them are just not. In particular, I did not like Ellen Page in this movie. And I like Ellen Page in general as an actress, but I did not like her in this role. Like, she plays a person that's supposed to be very, like, free sexually and very open to ideas and, like, a pseudo intellect. She has, like, that like, a classic Woody Allen antagonistic sort of pseudo intellect, pseudo <laughs> pseudo intellectual kind of thing going on. So she's playing an older Juno McGuff? No, she's not, because I don't think, because Juno's a way different character than the person that Ellen Page okay. plays in this film. And it, I'm not going to get into a Juno thing right now, but the, the her she does not fit in this Woody Allen movie in the role that she is given. And I like and maybe she's trying to be cast against type here, but it just did not work for me. She uh, wasn't likable. No, she wasn't. She wasn't likable. It just like and her, hearing her speak Woody Allen dialogue just felt like a person speaking Woody Allen dialogue and not like a person that's inhabiting the role. And I have a question for yes, you. Yes, yeah. Was she less likable in this film than she was in Hard Candy? <laughs> uh, have you ever seen that film? Yes, and I yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I mean that's sort of a joke question, but she's—I mean, she's because she's good in that film. And oh yeah, yeah. No, she's good in the film. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would not likable. No, I would say no. She's not like she's not she's not less likable than she was in Hard Candy, but she's just she's, she's just not she's very downright frightening in Hard Candy. Yes, for sure. And she's just not good in this movie. It, it was a joke question, I, so I, I'll, I'll withdraw <laughs> it. Okay. 
so yeah, that that bugged me. Jesse Eisenberg was like fine in this movie. Alec Baldwin actually had some like he's in he and Jesse Eisenberg. Basically, Alec Baldwin plays he plays like an architect character who's come to Rome and kind of um, is visiting his old neighborhood and he runs into Jesse Eisenberg who's like an aspire. He's he seems to be a, a younger version of Alec Baldwin and Alec Baldwin kind of hangs around Jesse Eisenberg's character as sort of a. I refer to him as Kazoo from the Flintstones. It's kind of he's not quite he's not technically there, but he's commenting on the situations that Jesse Eisenberg Jesse Eisenberg finds himself. <laughs> it's such an offhand reference. I know it is, but I liked it, so I went with it. And uh, so Jesse Eisenberg's dating Greta Gerwig, who's severely underused in this film. I like Greta Gerwig a lot. And um, oh yeah, she was in uh, Damsels in Distress, right? In Distress and Lola. Yeah. Pieces. And um, mm. so, another independent picture. Yes. And so <laughs> she, she he's dating he's dating her, her character, and then Ellen Page comes in. She's like the best friend of Greta Gerwig, and then so Jesse Eisenberg basically gets into this. This will he or won't he kind of cheat on his girlfriend with Ellen Page based on how intense and attractive Ellen Page is to Jesse Eisenberg. And Alec Baldwin is kind of, he's kind of this, like a mentor type figure who's kind of commenting on every situation. He pops up in the frame, even though no one else recognizes him, recognizes him except for Jesse Eisenberg and kind of makes points to like how he used, he, he did something similar when he was his age in the same position. So Al Baldwin has some good stuff to do here. Woody Allen's plotline is probably the fun is like the funniest thing. He um he's he and Judy Davis play husband and wife, and they come to Rome to visit their daughter, played by Allison Pill, who's like has a new Italian fiance. And Woody Allen is like a retired character who I don't want to t- I don't want to delve into each plotline. So it's going to take too long. So I'm just going to say Woody Allen has a lot of fun to do, and he hasn't been on screen since Scoop back in 2006. So it's it was nice to see him back in film again. I like I like the Woody Allen character, and it's fun to see him in here uh roberto benini's okay his plot language and i remember asking you about this earlier um but none of these stories overlap and is that a good thing or a bad thing um i honestly i don't i don't know how i don't know if the movie would have benefited by having the stories overlap so it's hard to say really i i would just say that it just feels i i, I think that's besides the point because i just feel like there's too much going on in each storyline and either mm-hmm. as i said one of them could be dropped or you can just tighten it up overall and so yeah, I just feel like it was kind of over. It was overwritten. It was too much happening, and I just I, I didn't love it. I, it certainly has its moments. It has its charm. It has really funny moments. It has one of my favorite funny moments of the year in in this movie. But it's just overall, it's it's worth like a rental, but not like go out and see this new Woody Allen movie right away. It certainly looks great too. It's a great looking movie for sure. It's shot in Rome, and you know, right. but a Midnight in Paris equally looked just as good. So it's like cinematically, he's doing it. Right, and you know you got the jazz and all that, so it's a Woody Allen movie for sure, <laughs> just not not a great one. Uh, Mark, you want to name another movie we can talk about? You know what? I've, I'll, I'll say one. I've seen The Untouchables. You want to talk about The Untouchables? Allez de vous, Philippe. C'est qui ce type? Autour de toi, tout le monde s'inquiète. Comment il est grand? Il est costaud? Il a deux bras, deux jambes? Un cerveau qui fonctionne? Il est en bonne santé? Trop long là! Les gars des cités, ils n'ont aucune pitié. C'est ce que je veux. Aucune pitié. I really like the, the Untouchables. This is a French film. Uh, about the quadriplegic who uh, needs to hire an assistant. And uh, he hires this guy that's totally unqualified for the part. And uh, it's sort of about how they, um, I don't know, they learn from each other. And th- to be honest, the, the the setup sounds horrible. And even when I saw the trailer, I was rolling my eyes like, oh, my gosh, this just looks like, it just looks very... I don't know what the word for it is, but it, it just looked like a setup to, to like be real treacly and sweet and overly, um, you know, uh, lots of scenes of like, it, to be honest, uh, to name another uh, uh, independent picture this year, which actually has been a big success in the U.S., was the uh, Exotic Marigold Hotel, which I did find kind of treacly and, and all that. But this, I don't know, I ate it up. I really 
like uh, the the two main characters, and I really kind of enjoyed their uh, chemistry, and I was touched by it. I, I thought it was a really uh, uh, I thought it was a really wonderful film, and I mean it's it's pretty. I think it's the second most viewed film in French history. So we're not even talking about wow. like box office, which obviously keeps getting beaten like every couple years because of inflation. This is one of the biggest hits. It's actually made three hundred million. Uh, throughout the rest of the world, it, that's including other countries. Um, so it's a huge, massive success, and it is in the top 250 uh, films of the Internet Movie Database. But it does have some like very strong detractors. You'll see. I mean, overall the reviews have been pretty good, but there's actually a couple of reviews that were absolutely scathing about this film. And I read these reviews, and I just couldn't fathom how someone could have this kind of a point of view because I I found that it was very sweet. And a nice warm film. It'll, but, it'd be almost like hating *Beasts of the Southern Wild*. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. It's different. I guess *Beasts of the Southern Wild*. I, I, yeah, kinda, I know. I'm just... I can understand it a little bit more because it's 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 more of a. It it definitely *Beasts of the Southern Wild* is more innovative. *Intouchables* is kind of your standard kind of film. It it plays out very much like a film should, uh, or does usually. But I, I, I really liked it a lot. I, I thought it was enjoyable. It's again, it never took off. And I think Henry or Harvey uh, Weinstein is behind the, the. He purchased the film and he's trying been marketing it. And for some reason, he hasn't been very successful in making this catch on in the U.S. So for whatever reason, it really it hasn't caught on. But uh, in the U.S. in the same way that it did the rest of the world. But I, I liked it. Yeah. Again, same similar to Headhunters. Like, I, I I found it to be okay. Like, I think the performances took it farther. In terms of me and see this enjoying. film, I kind of expected you not to like. Yeah, I I actually <laughs> expected you not to like this film. Yeah, and you'd be kind of right because there are certain. Whereas Headhunters shocks me. That is something I would have I would have like really thought you would have loved. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Here's a question for both of you. Um, have you guys seen um, Goodbye Solo? Um, I know of it. That's the that's a film that's okay. it's supposed to be very similar to Untouchables. So. Is, is it oh, okay? That's what I was gonna ask. Is it kind of similar? Is it on the same? I plane? haven't seen that. Is that okay? Tarantino. It's about a guy who who wants to end his own life, and this is cab driver that becomes friends with him and tries to stop him, and they just form a a, a relationship. Oh, but this, this guy doesn't want to end his life. Though. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's he's a quadriplegic. He's I, like, I, um, I believe Ebert actually brings up Goodbye Soul in his review of the Untouchables, okay. just because it is a. Very relatable film, but uh, yeah, Intouchables. Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a scene in this movie where um, Driss, the uh, the the black the black character who's the, the caretaker for for the the quadriplegic uh, gentleman, Philippe. Philippe, there it is. Um, yeah. There's a scene where he puts on um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I knew you were gonna say. That. <laughs> <laughs> and he's they're like they're like all the. I'm just gonna just use blatant terms. All the stuffy old white people are, you know, standing around, and he puts on Earth, Wind, and Fire, starts dancing, and he gets all the people to dance, and it's just like, I, I, I don't. These movies just make me roll my eyes sometimes. It's like, just like you said you did at the trailer versus when you actually saw the movie. I'm just, and I didn't even see a trailer. I just knew what the movie was, and I'm watching it like, it's just like you have the, it's the magical Negro character making everybody happy all over the place. That's like, <laughs> that's like what I'm watching, and it like it wor it works well enough just because the performances are very good between the two of them. They have great chemistry together, and especially like how, the way that the film began. That certainly got me into the into the spirit of it. But it has some of those types of scenes where. I just I just can't like it's just a I don't know what the word is it's not like cheesy but like kind of a played out a played out sort of story I've heard, that I've seen I've heard this criticism before and I didn't take I mean to hear it described it does sound corny 
But like I wrote in my review, it reminds me of that scene in in uh, Pretty Woman when Julia Roberts is singing off key in the bathtub to Prince, and the uh, which this uh, movie Richard has Gere, that scene, yeah. What's that? This movie has that scene as well. It's kind of that sort of, but it's sort of well, but but it, I found it to be kind of similar to the one where he sort of dances. He's just like I found like his dancing was sort of like joyful abandon and. You know, if, can you? Does that mean that like a black person can't listen to R and B music? Or you know, he, there's another scene where I've heard, read, read critics where they complain about the fact that he doesn't like opera. Well, I don't like opera, so I, I don't I don't buy the fact that you you can't have somebody you know express likes or dislikes even though they may be the same likes and dislikes of a lot of other people. Yeah, I know, and it's hard to kind of it's hard to separate those kind of things out, but it's just, it's just like a But oh, and I'm I'm also going to mention the, the in the Caesar Awards, which is France's uh, uh, Academy Awards, this uh, Omar Sy, which who plays Driss, he won the Academy Award beating out um, the guy from The Artist. Jean Desjardins. Yeah, Jean Desjardins. Desjardins. He beat De, uh, Jean Desjardins. And I'm not saying that he he deserved to beat him, but but that's how like how huge like he he's affected like a, a certain contingent of the world because he actually won the award there. I get it, and I get what you're saying. And also, uh, Philippe, the act that plays him. There's a movie called Tell No One that I really enjoy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great film. Yeah, which, yeah, and that's the kind of film that I. That's the kind of film that like I could put like I could love Headhunters into that kind of genre of film, and I like Tell No One more than that film. But um, with uh, this movie, I mean. Yeah, it's hard to kind of, you know, separate black people do this kind of thing, but it's it's so Well, you know, this you movie know, and I will admit it's a little bit like you think of films like Driving Miss Daisy yeah, or yeah. or the or the Blind Side <laughs> or things like that. It there is that I I will admit that has those parallels, but I I actually I mean I like those films. I I actually like uh I like the Untouchables more, but um you know, I I think those stories can have merit yeah i i agree with you and i know what you're, you're saying and it's the kind of thing where like i never saw the blind side and because i know exactly what that movie is and i feel like untouchables is exactly that movie and if i if i was if it was if it was if i was shown a trailer of the untouchables that kind of reflected my same feelings that i have on the blind side i probably wouldn't have seen it but you know and i i think it helps the fact that the untouchables is a french film so it has sort of a a it, it, it seems a little bit more innovative than The Blind Side. You know, um, yeah, it does. Uh, but the same. Sandra Bullock's performance in The Blind Side is very like, uh, what's the word for it? It's, I mean, it's, it's, I, I never thought it was all that great. I, I thought, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of like, uh, what's his, uh, I'm going to hope this is probably going to be blasphemy for people, but um, Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump, it's such a like, like, look at me, I'm acting and it's overacting. I mean, she's really exaggerated in that film. And I didn't feel like the performances in The Untouchables are exaggerated at all. They seem very subtle and a little bit more uh, yeah, nuanced. I would agree with that. And that's why I like the film overall, because I do like these two these two key performances and the supporting cast is good as well. But I mean, but just like in the description, it's like a, a quadriplegic aristocratic man needs a new helper. And he finds, right, it, right, and he right. finds it in the form of an, an ex-con black man who comes from the ghetto, listens to hip hop music and used to steal things like and does in the movie. And it's <laughs> right. So the trailer, according to the trailer, He's strong, <laughs> but the the trailer turned me off too. And and when you re, when you like, I think the way the movie plays out is much more interesting than than just reducing it to like you know a, a three sentence uh, synopsis. Yeah, there's interesting things going on, but at the same time, it does it just it has some of that stuff that just makes me kind of roll my eyes and be like, yep, this is one of those scenes that from this kind of movie again. And like and over, yeah, I. 
I get, I can see, I can see why, you know, it's popular and I can see why it, you know, has received the kind of acclaim that it has. And it's just, it worked for me well enough, but just, it doesn't, it didn't blow me away. It's, right. Yeah. Right. Let's, uh, Abe, you want to bring up a new movie? Do you have any other? Yeah. Um, your sister's sister. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't get to see that actually. Okay. Did you see that Mark? I have seen it. Yes. I miss you. I miss my friend. Oh, this is this is that moment, isn't it? This is This is your intervention. Whatever you think is helping you, I have a responsibility as your friend to tell you that it's not. Just tell me what to do. You know that nice red bicycle that you have? Yes. You're gonna dust off old red and you're gonna get on a ferry. I'm sending you to my dad's place. There's no TV, there's no internet, there's nothing. It's just you. Do they have forks? It's just you and we have a couple of forks, yeah. I might need to stab myself in the face. <laughs> ah! Sorry, sorry, sorry! I got the wrong house and I, I... Hey, you're Hannah! Oh my god. I'm so sorry. I'm Iris's friend Jack. You're on an island. It's three in the morning. And you're drinking by yourself. What's going on? Um, another another dupless joint. Yeah, yeah he's very movie. active lately. I, yeah, I know what the next movie is. He's active this year. But it's a movie about a, about a couple of friends, um, Emily Blunt and Mark Duplass. And I guess Mark Duplass's brother has died, so he's having a hard time adjusting. And so she just recommends that he go stay at a cabin. There he meets Emily Blunt's sister, and uh, some stuff ensues that kind of propels the movie into its uh, second and third acts. Um, and overall, I think that it's, uh, I think it's an all right film. I think it's uh, one of those things that is, uh, it's very, quote unquote, yeah, it's it's real in, in the sense of how they deal with the situation at hand. It's not a whole bunch of yelling or anything. That actually just takes over, over a period of days, maybe even a period of, of one week, um, things kind of seem to settle back into things. And that's kind of realistic in terms of what happens with families. Um, but I think that there's uh, some stuff in here that that is really interesting just the way that Mark Dubliss's uh, character, his mumblecore stuff kind of gives way. And um, I think that there's some, some good performances, but overall it's, it's an all right film. Mark. Yeah. I had similar uh, thoughts. It was, I'd, I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it, it's like any conversation that you would have with your friends. So it's like three people talking and there's, you know, the cameras there and it, it's, it's all edited together. So it, it forms a, it forms a film. But it's, it's just a bunch of conversations, and it it does, there is a, a point, there's something that, that happens, and, and there is some, like, conflict and all that. Um, right. And it is very natural and, and well-acted. I mean, with that cast, I, I think you would expect it to be. But it, it's very underwhelming. I mean, it's not at all the kind of picture that I, I would go to the theater to see. This is a rental if I've ever, and I'm not saying that it's bad, but it it's, it's it's very underwhelming. It, it's not something that uh, it, it's not cinematic at all. I mean, it, it's very very low budget, um, and, uh, and 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 sort of in a way that like Beasts of the Southern Wild seems to be more cinematic to me. Um, but anyway, that. yeah, it it was decent. I mean, uh, Emily Blunt. I mean, this is her third picture of the year. She was in Salmon Fishing in the Yemen and also the Five Year Engagement. Um, so she seems to be like getting a lot of work Two and deservedly so. I believe, right? Which, what's that? Two films you loved, I believe, right? Uh, well, I never saw the five-year engagement. I, I didn't even I didn't even bother didn't to go that, see that but, film. But I knew you loved the, the salmon fishing in the. Yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a big yawn. 
I mean, I didn't, you know, you you make it out like it's like the worst film. I mean, I know. It's, it's, I don't really. Well, I mean, it, I mean, I'm not gonna say it is, but it's the kind of thing that lands in the the worst kind of film I'd like to see, where it's like it's not terrible, but it's not really good. It just kind of sits there, and it's just like right, this movie right. exists, which is kind of what Battleship was. It's, <laughs> oh, it was, you mean it wasn't? It's just not. It's not entertaining, but it's not like terribly bad. It's so or so bad. It's good, but it's not good either. It's just kind of like this movie exists and it's boring. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't even think salmon fishing in the Yemen even really tried to go very far. Like it didn't even attempt to aim very high. You're saying just, it was streaming. It was swimming upstream without a paddle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't even trying to spawn. I think it. It didn't even know what it wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a commentary waiting to happen right there. Spawn. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I, Abe, I, I totally agree with your assessment. Yeah. But I agree with you. There's some performances um, all around, but um, there's well, some you know, parts it, it where it even it's has pretty... kind of an indeterminate conclusion too. So it, yeah, and I find that to be very European. I don't know why, because um, I guess some European films they kind of give you like cliffhanger ending where will they, won't they kind of thing. Um, but uh, when the when that other aspect of the film happens, you're kind of taken aback because I guess you don't really expect it. Uh, and it kind of provides a catalyst for for uh, closure of the film. But that being said, I mean, again, the, per- the performances are very good. Um, yeah. I think that there's just a lot of some of the downtime happens when they're just talking in the cabin, and I, I didn't think that that really, really propelled anything. I mean, overall, it's just I think that you should go see this film. I don't think that it's one of those things that you have to run out to see. But yeah, it's it's certainly something that if you want something a little bit more uh, low key. Um, you can go check this one out. With all the pictures that I think are worthy of seeing right now, this to me is a rental. I, I would not recommend anyone go go to the theater to see this, unless unless you're like a really big, like mumblecore fan, like you just love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, I would say that if you if you like. If Cyrus and folks, Jeff who lives at home are your two favorite films, then go see this. Yeah, I would say this is a, a dollar theater kind of thing. Um, I think I liked it a little bit more than Mark did. I'm going to try and wrap this up soon, so I have one more. So the, and it's another Doofless film. It's the Dodeca Pentathlon. What's Dodeca? When your dad and I were in high school, one summer we came up with this competition called the Dodeca Pentathlon, which is basically 25 events. And who won? You lost. <laughs> How's life, bro? You happy? Absolutely. Look in my eyes and answer that. I'm happy. So what about you? Are you happy? No. Then shut up about it. I know that you guys are doing the dodeca. We're not playing the dodeca again. It's not just sports between the two of you. I'm in. Now, this movie, I don't think many people even heard of because it's so small scale, but it's from Mark and Jay Duplass as directors. They have previously directed several films like Jeff Who Lives at Home and Cyrus, as well as the more low-key mumblecore stuff like um, Baghead and uh, Puffy Share. And um, <laughs> and this is this is a this is this one's kind of a return to that. It was actually filmed before Jeff Who Lives at Home, and um, but because they've been able to kind of become much more successful with movies like Jeff Who Lives at Home and Cyrus, they managed to get this one out and produce now. And uh, it's very much a mumblecore style where it's it's uh, it's scripted but very heavily focused on imp- imp- improvisation and like kind of filming that having naturalistic sort of acting going on and this film is about two brothers who um had when they were younger had this event called the dodeca pentathlon where they participated in 25 events to see who was the better brother and all these events included things like arm wrestling basketball 
pool, ping pong, laser tag, long jumping, and and who could hold their breath under longer the longest. <laughs> and um, now when they were doing that last one I just mentioned, holding your breath under longer the longest, it was interrupted by their mother. And um, this made it, this caused the event to be a tie, which the brothers have basically held as a grudge against each other si- since then, so they become estranged. And so now they're like in their, well, in their 30s, one's married with a kid, the other... Like it's like a professional poker player, and they just don't really talk to each other. And um, so when one of them comes back home for his birthday with his family, the other brother just shows up anyway as well. And the two, <laughs> it, the 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 dodecahedrons brought up, and the two are so stubborn about it that they kind of try to secretly participate in it again. And that's it goes from there. The thing I can say about this movie is something I can relate to one of my what one of my friends said about um, Cyrus, where they just saw Cyrus and they said that it, it it's the premise of Cyrus, which is the movie of John C. Riley and Jonah Hill. The premise of Cyrus is like a wacky, hacky, happy Madison comedy just played deadly serious, and that's what the Dodecahedron is. It's a it's a it's a comedy for sure. But even Cyrus is a comedy, but like. In any other, in like a hype gloss studio movie, it would be like this wacky zany comedy. But because it's like this mumblecore movie, it has it's re- it has this really kind of this darker tone to it in the background. Like it's very it's very it's real, Abe. It's it, 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 <laughs> that's it, been a recurring theme tonight. <laughs> it plays out in a much more naturalistic sense, and it's entertaining. But it's all it's all it's I mean it's a little it's it's very light. Like there's nothing. I mean it's it has dramatic moments for sure but it's nothing like it's not essential viewing but it is it, it is cool to see this kind of these kind of movies every now and then like it's a very okay. it's a big step down from kind of more studio fair just something that's really just deep into the independency and it's just a really it's a neat sort of movie and it's like i mean it's it's what it's it's put together well enough like they their kind of style is very low-key like there's nothing style there's nothing really stylish about this movie except when they actually do go into the sports there's a lot of kind of slow-mo and music that's purposely done to kind of emphasize the ridiculous nature of some of the sports that they're doing and the fact that they're grown men doing them but it's a it, but it's an enjoyable movie overall I, I i recommend that one the dodeca one of the questions that i had when i saw the trailer was um i wonder if this is going to be and you don't have to answer if this is a spoiler thing but i wonder if it's going to be one of those things like at the end they're just like oh you know what we're brothers why are we doing this you know we're we're family why did we even have this problem in the first place yeah it's the sort of thing where like Regardless of if that question's answered or if it, if there is one brother that succeeds overall, it's the kind of movie where you get to a point where you don't care necessarily. You're just because you're, okay. you're just into what these characters are, who these characters are, and how they've been kind of developed throughout the film and where the story kind of takes you when it comes to an interesting conclusion. I mean, this, is this, this worth uh, seeking out at the theater, or would it, you say? I would say if it's a if it's in like a dollar. I mean, I guess it won't be in a dollar theater because it's an independent film. But um, I'd say when it comes out, what Netflix for sure. Right. That'd be the, my best recommendation. But um, the the way this film, I'm not going to spoil anything. But I guess there's only there's there's for these kind of films, which is essentially like a sports film, it can only end in a cliche way, essentially, right? There's only <laughs> there, like there's either going to be like something like Abe said, or there's going to be a winner, kind of what I'm or there's going to be right. a rocky ending or something. And why why I like the ending is because it handles whatever cliche, whichever one of those endings it has, it handles it in the sort of way that makes sense for a mumblecore independent type film. It it handles it in a more interesting way of being able to break the sort of cliche, I guess, so to, to make that to make that ending interesting, and not just feel like oh yeah, it ended like this, all right, like it yeah, it it kind of it goes into that a little bit, I guess. So. 
We'll definitely check it out then. So yeah, I think that's gonna. I'm so tired. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. We've been we've been talking we've been talking to plenty. So I thought it was gonna be a shorter one. It wasn't. So um, yeah, the next week I think some independent movies coming out that we're gonna talk. I don't, I think it has a couple actors of uh, Gary Oldman, Michael, some guy named Christian Bale, Bale, Christian Bale, Morgan. I think he was in Empire of the Sun. I haven't seen him since. Morgan Spurlock or some Morgan. I don't know. Someone. Morgan oh, are we get, are we and, predicting box office or? No, because fuck it. I don't... <laughs> um, yeah, but we're going to talk about The Dark Knight Rises. I think Abe and I are planning on doing kind of a two-part episode for that, where we'll get some people, friends of the yes. show, you know, Mark, you might be in on that, but like some, some people involved on one half and then some other people involved in another half, just because I feel like we're probably going to have to talk about it a lot for the next one. <laughs> You've got so many people and, uh, that are dying to talk about basically, it. Basically, yes. <laughs> That's going to do it this week for Out Now, Farron and Abe. You can find more of my personal work at the uh, the codezeke.com we can find all my written movie reviews as well as at ysablu.com i am gonna be i've written comic articles related to comic-con i'm gonna be continuing to do so as well as the other writers for ysablu so please be sure to check out our uh, ysablu coverage of comic-con 2012 it's a busy and fun experience and um you know check that out and you know also we have the upcoming episode with myself and alan regarding comic-con so there you go um you can also find me at twitter.com slash aaron's ps3 uh, you can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blackspot.com, to animals, walrusmoose.blackspot.com, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. And Mark? Uh, you can find more of my work at fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com, fastfilmreviews, all one word, dot wordpress.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. Great. And you can, of course, find all the other episodes about now of Aaron and Abe at iTunes at hhwlod.com. We can check out all the other shows there, including The Walking Dead TV Podcast, Legion of Dudes, and other fun shows of cool guys that want to talk about comics and movies and games and stuff. And, of course, outnow.podomatic.com, where you can find most of the new episodes and some exclusives. I'm going to be adding a certain exclusive, actually, this week, so that should be cool. And, um, of course, email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com, where you can answer – you can you can – Send any emails our way concerning, you know, any independent or our house movies you've seen, or even if you go check out Beasts of the Southern Wild, tell us what you think of it. And you know, yeah, any other, really yeah, for sure. And you know, any other questions? We love getting the emails. We respond pretty quickly, I'd say, actually, too. And you know, we like, you know, addressing them on the show. So there you go. And of course, Facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast and Twitter.com/slash/outnow underscore podcast, where you can find all the latest updates from Out Now with Aaron and Abe, as well as you know, pictures and what have you, just cool stuff there. And um, Maybe I'll even create a Comic-Con album. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> People friend me on Facebook, too. They follow my stuff there, so whatever. And, yeah, I think that's going to do it this week. Next week, the, the things the fire rises. But until then, so long. And goodbye.
de la charité Comme un petit chien de Volmec Et trop capte ton maïs Capitaine, capitaine, voyage ton La charité pour les autres ne nous joignent, pour les autres ne nous joignent, mais au grand bon que soit. 